0: Go ahead and be seated, and I'm going to invite Andy and Joanna and John and Shannon uh, to come on up for uh, baptism this morning. We actually get to do a double baptism this morning, uh, which is so fun. In case you guys don't already know this, uh, Andy Cole and John Cole are brothers. Uh, So we're getting to baptize these two sweet cousins here this morning uh, together that were born how many weeks apart, guys? Eight weeks apart, Uh, which is so appropriate because these guys got married two weeks apart? Yes, uh, which was so fun. I got to be involved in both of those weddings. So it was a lot of, uh, a lot of the Coles family all bunched up, which was such a gift. Uh, and guys, it's, it's so appropriate that when we do a baptism, that we would be talking about what it means to remember. Because as we baptize these babies this morning, there's an invitation on the table for you to remember the fact that you have been baptized as well, if that's true about you. And that's really what what we're going to be doing and what we're going to be calling these guys into uh, over the course of their lives, is to remember the fact that they have been brought into the household of God. And what we believe about baptism is not so much that the water that we put on their heads this morning saves them, but that the water that we put on their heads marks them out as belonging to the family of God. And that all their lives they'll get to be raised up into remembering that they have been brought into this community, brought into God's house. And if that is true for you, if you've been baptized, regardless of whatever age that was at, uh, that's true for you, that you've been brought in to the household of God. And so I asked uh, these families, specifically Joanna and and John, to just share a little bit about uh, how they have seen God be faithful to them during their time here at Midtown East. So I'm gonna give them a chance to just share briefly about that. And Joanna, I think you got here before John did, so I'm gonna let you go first.
1: Is that better yeah yeah. okay so when brandt asked me to share a little bit of my story um the word that kept coming back to me was obedience and for me in my life i feel like i've seen that word come in cycles and so my my story with midtown midtown east nashville went through the cycle of required obedience to reluctant obedience to resolved or revealed obedience and to quickly kind of bullet point, what those three things mean. I moved to Nashville in 2013 and the, the season prior hadn't, hadn't really prioritized church membership and was feeling the call of the Lord into that. Um, and maybe you're like me in certain seasons, you feel like what the Lord is asking of you is a rule rather than an invitation. And so trying to have my heart changed in that season, I moved to Nashville, got plugged in with Midtown Downtown when we met at Rocket Town pretty early on and found great community there and became a member and um, was excited about gospel transformation through multiple congregations. And then in 2016, moving on to bullet point number two, reluctant obedience, 2016 I bought a little house in East Nashville and this congregation existed. You guys were here. And um, I decided to continue going to downtown because my house was honestly closer to downtown and um, I had great friends there. Um, and then as you know that that congregation decided to move to Green Hills in Granny White and that location. And so um, I remember the morning when I felt like the Holy Spirit was calling me to say, you don't live in Green Hills, you live in East Nashville. Uh, so maybe you should check it out. And that's where the reluctance came in. It was. Um, Okay, I hear you, Lord, but my friends are not there. Like, I hear you, Lord, but I don't even know where Inglewood is. Um, You know, I hear you, Lord, but they don't have a pastor right now. Um, It was just sort of my long list of excuses. And so in early 2019, Brant was called (laughs) into the pulpit and my list of excuses started to run out. And so that's when I visited for the first time um, and bullet point number three, resolved obedience, um, kind of made things official, transferring my membership to this congregation in the summer of 2019 and have just seen the fruit of gospel tran- transformation in my own heart um, through this community, this congregation, trying not to cry, um, seeing, seeing folks in the grocery store, seeing um, small group family uh, at restaurants, um, meeting my husband, <laughs> having this baby. Um, the point is that obedience doesn't just give us what we want, but it reveals more of who God is. And um, he, God has revealed himself more in who, who this congregation is and the folks in the hearts in this room and through these blessings as well.
2: Praise um, God. Praise God. First, this, this is such a gift uh, for me personally. And um, as, Brent, as Brent mentioned, you know, this thought of remem- remembrance. And um, as he stated, Shannon and I just celebrated our uh, two-year anniversary on Monday. Um, and we went back and watched the, the video. Um, and it was really cool because Brandt officiated and was quick to point out the importance of our story um, and the openness of, of our story. And we've certainly been, been that way because it's, uh, it's very important to do. And, and for me, on the Clock, five years, um, I was coming out a difficult divorce uh, in a very low and dark place. Um, and to think that now I'm up here uh, is just, uh, God at work. Um, and from that point, he kind of, I was full of shame, covered in guilt, uh, and didn't really think, um, that I was worthy, uh, struggled with self-worth and kind of just, um, unsure of myself, my faith. Uh, and from that point, boy, has he, uh, has he showed me, um, and that starts with uh, getting to move in with my parents, which can be a humbling thing for uh, you know, 25, 26 year old. Um, but it reminded me of their importance in my life and, and raising me um, and kind of resetting um, where I was and, and focusing on the Lord um, and those, those people around me. And, and from there, moving in with my brother Andy um, and he really mentored me, uh, during that period of time, what a gift a year and a half was, uh, with him. Um, and we'll be forever grateful for that. Um, and then that leads me to meeting my beautiful wife, Shannon, who has, um, just had an instrumental, uh, impact on me and my faith, um, and us starting out as, you know, the, the foundation and bedrock of our relationship was, was Jesus, um, And she has really helped me to kind of connect my mind and heart um, and and shown me that uh, I am worthy. And I think it's just such a testament to God's grace um, and that he could reach me in that low point and and pull me here to be able to stand confidently and affirm the vows we're getting ready to to say. And it is just, uh, it's a real blessing. So... And also a testament to the community here, because uh, Midtown East um, has been just very, very important to to me, and community is is ultimately um, just so important in a faith walk, especially one where I was at the low of the lows, Um, and it is so important to be surrounded by people that remind you of God's goodness, His grace, and that that's enough. So. Yeah. yeah.
0: Praise God. And guys, that's what, I mean, in baptism, what we're doing is we're we're trusting that uh, God is writing us stories in the lives of these kids and looking forward to the day that they make a profession of faith and looking forward to when they get to stand up and share stories of God's faithfulness in their own lives. So if you were a part of uh, the Coles' community, uh, their family would invite you to come up here with them while we uh, baptize these kids and take their vows. And you may be wondering, John and Shannon have moved. You may not have seen them here recently. Uh, but you're a member here until you're not a member here, once you become one. And so one of the gifts that we are giving them as they move on and they get called into a new place is we're giving them the gift of of having their child baptized and having a community look at them and say, we're with you, that they know they're coming from a, a safe place, a, a grounded place, and and trusting that God will provide that for them wherever, wherever he calls them. Oh, yeah, pack it in. This is good. I'll just remind you guys why we do this is that taking vows is a weighty thing, and we want them to know that they are not alone as they make these promises. So, uh, we're, yeah, you guys aren't alone. Uh, I'll ask you these questions, John and Shane and Andy and Joanna, and uh, after each one would invite you to say, "We do." So do you acknowledge your child's need of the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ and the renewing grace of the Holy Spirit? Do you claim God's covenant promises on their behalves, and do you look in faith to the Lord Jesus Christ for their salvation as you do for your own? And do you now unreservedly dedicate your children to God? And promise in a humble reliance upon divine grace that you will endeavor to set before them a godly example, that you will pray with and for them, that you will teach them the doctrines of our holy religion, and that you will strive by all the means of God's appointment to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And now, do you as a congregation undertake the responsibility of assisting these parents in the Christian nurture of these children? We're gonna do winter first because she's a little bit older. So, hold this for us. Oh, come here, winter! It's so appropriate that it's snowing today, huh? (laughs) Just for you. Okay. Winter, Julia Cole, child of the covenant. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's pray for winter. Oh, Jesus, we thank you for this sweet girl. Lord, for the gift that she is to Andy and Joanna, the gift that she is to this community. Uh, and we we ask that you would grow her up to be a woman who is strong uh, in you. Lord, who knows how much she is loved uh, and that from that, that she is able to love the people around her. Jesus, that she would... Uh, love your word that she'd experience you and that you would give her her own stories of gospel transformation uh, to follow her the rest of her life. Let me pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Okay, James. Come here, buddy. Oh, yes. What an amazing onesie. (laughs) Okay, it's James Stanton Cole, right? Okay. James Stanton Cole, child of the covenant, I baptize you in the name of the Father, oh. and of the Son, oh, I know it's cold, and of the Holy Spirit, oh, buddy, okay, let's pray. Oh, Jesus, we thank you for James, uh, Jesus, and just the this, this sweet grace that he is uh, to John and to Shannon, Lord, this uh, physical reminder of your grace for them in their lives, the goodness that you have given them. Lord, we pray that you would be giving James his own stories of gospel transformation. Lord, we look forward to the day when wherever you call him, he gets to stand up in a body of believers and profess that he knows you and trusts you because you've been coming after him. We pray that you would make him a man who is strong in you. Jesus, who knows how much he is loved and from that is able to love the people around him. Jesus, that he would love your word, that he would know your voice through it, Uh, and that you would be guiding this family in what comes next, Jesus, that you'd be giving them a home and people uh, who love them and love this boy. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Oh, there we go. Thanks, guys. Uh, y'all can go back and take your seats. It's going to take a minute. Uh, we're going to put some pictures up here on the screen. Oh, uh, We've got some of Winter and of James. Uh, Winter, who loves reading books with mom and dad, jumping in the jumper, and pasta. There we go, evidence. Uh, and James, who loves milk, bath time, and Sophie the giraffe. So, uh, yes, I want to invite you guys also uh, to remember that one of the ways that you get to fulfill these vows is by serving in Kid Town. So uh, our new Kid Town schedule is coming out in the next, in the next uh, week or two, so we'd invite you to sign up for that. Go ahead, and we're going we're gonna to just take a break now, so you can go ahead and say hi to the people around you, visit with each other, and we'll bring it all back up here in, in just a few minutes. Go ahead and uh, grab your seats. Uh, So like I mentioned earlier, uh, there are a lot of things that are about to change for our congregation because uh, because we're moving. And that's going to be more than just worshiping in a new space there will be new responsibilities there will be new people new patterns things that are exciting like we'll be able to bring coffee into the sanctuary yeah. <laughs> yes yeah. praise god and we're going to start at 9:30 so there's an extra half hour of sleep for those of you who don't have kids for those of you who do have kids, that you'll wake up at the same time anyway. But you'll have a little bit more time to get here. Uh, and then things that will be a little bit less exciting, maybe, like we will get to set up and tear down chairs every week again. <laughs> Woo-hoo! I love the attitude, guys. It's amazing. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, things that are going to be this, things that are exciting, things that will be challenging. Uh, and, and I wanted to stop and just give us a chance to talk about what is actually happening. And how God would be leading us into that. So rather than just continuing in our Genesis series, we're going to jump out of that today into the book of Deuteronomy. So all of the questions that you have about the fall, you can listen to Randy's podcast from Granny White, and I'm sure he will answer all of them. Uh, So I'm going to invite, Oh, you know what? No, I'm going to do that in a minute. Uh, No, I'm going to invite Sam up. Where's Sam? Sam? Okay, Sam is our reader today. Uh, so Sam is reading for us out of Deuteronomy 8. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can open, uh, open with us to Deuteronomy 8. It'll also be up here, uh, up here on the screen. Okay, so we're starting in verse, starting in verse 2. And as you guys, uh, as we're listening to this, I just want to remind you kind of where the Israelites are in their story when, when this happens. So the Israelites, God brought them out of Egypt... And they've been wandering around the desert for 40 years, and Moses has been leading them. And they're on the edge of the promised land. They're about to go into this space that God has provided for them, that he's promised them. And right as they're waiting to go in, Moses gives this series of speeches to the people. These are kind of his last words because God has told them he's not going to get to go with them. And so these are the things he is giving to them that God has given him to give to them as they are about to go into the place that God has called them. Take it
3: away, Sam. All right, this is God's Word. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out on you, and your foot did not swell these forty years. When uh, Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and by fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks, of water, of fountains and springs,
0: Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for this morning. Lord, we're thankful uh, for the ways that you have provided for us as individual people, the ways you've provided for us as a congregation over so many years. And Lord, ask that as we come before you this morning, that you'd be providing for us through your word. uh, Feeding us, nurturing us, nourishing us by your Holy Spirit through your word. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen how do you react to imminent dramatic change in your life? And we're not, now we're not just talking about what's happening here for us as a community. We're talking about you and your life because while, we are, while we're talking about change and how we react to it because of how, where we're going as a congregation, um, what is also true is that you in your individual life, us and our individual lives are always bumping up against change, aren't we? That our lives are constantly changing, sometimes in small ways, some ways in, sometimes in large ways. So I'm curious when you bump up against imminent dramatic change in your life, how do you usually respond? I watch Marvel movies. <laughs> Marvel movies. Yes, that might be called distraction or inspiration, right? Either way. How else? I watch my temptation. There's temptation, yeah, absolutely. How else? Stress, struggle, Struggle. idealism, Idealism. pessimism, Pessimism. Uh (laughs) uh-huh. How many of you get, oh, yeah, procrastination. Procrastination. That is one of my favorites, yes. Numbing. Numbing. Any of you get afraid? Shy. Shy, afraid, excited, which are really kind of two sides of the same coin in a lot of ways. Angry or sad? We have all kinds of reactions that kind of flood into us when we are bumping up against change. How many of you would say that you are optimists or idealists when you look at the future? Show me your hands up high and proud, okay? How many of you would say that you are pessimists? Yes, how many of you are married to the person who is the opposite of you, right? That's, That's often how it goes. Which one of those do you think is more biblical or more mature? My way. Exactly, right? My way. And we live in a culture so often that tells us, or in a Christian culture that, it, that seems to be giving us the message, that the most biblical way for you to respond is to be hopeful, which means that you have to be optimistic. Have you ever been in a church like that? Where the message is, hey, you know, you might be scared about the future, but just buck up, God is good, and so it's all going to be fine. All right. Yeah. <laughs> And there are times where it's possible uh, for us to live also in reaction to that. Now, I'm going to stick it to them. And so out of reaction to this kind of like happy-go-lucky way of seeing the world or seeing church, we will focus on the suffering, and that becomes the main thing or the only thing that we can see. And what is often true for, for most of us is that very rarely do we live all in one camp or all in the other that most of the time we're back and forth between those things, depending on the circumstances and the people around us. This passage gives us an entirely different way of thinking about how we would move into the future. It gives us a different perspective that rather than being optimists or rather than being pessimists, that that we would look at the future in a different way. Because here's what it means to be an optimist or a pessimist. It means to look into the future and to start writing a story, right? I look into this empty void of the future, and really the future is like a vacuum. It demands to be filled. And so we write stories into the future. And then we, we we put our hope, we think ourselves into those stories because we tell them to ourselves over and over and over again. And our hearts don't know the difference between what is real and what we've imagined. And so our hearts then start to react to the stories that we have filled the vacuum of the future with. You guys with me on that? It's a forward-looking approach in which we create a world that is not real. And the perspective of this passage, the biblical perspective on how we move into the future, how we deal with change, it turns us around. That rather than facing forward into the future and throwing our imaginations there, that what, what this passage is calling us into, what the Bible calls us into, is that we would be a people who back into the future. Like, have you ever been running up a very steep hill? or maybe walking up a very steep hill, right? And it starts to, like, hurt your legs, so you got to turn around and walk the other direction. There are a lot of benefits to that, I will tell you, okay? Uh, one is that you're not looking at all the things that are coming that you're afraid of, but you get to turn around and look at what has happened in the past. And the Hebrew words for yesterday and for tomorrow give us a sense of that, because the, the Hebrew word for tomorrow... It comes from a root that orients us to looking a- away from the future. And the Hebrew word for past or, or, or from, from yesterday comes from a noun that, that orients us toward looking yesterday in the face. And we see that even in this passage with the command to Remember. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Remember, 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 remember. We read it all throughout this passage and we read it all throughout Scripture, this command to remember. And to remember is to, is to turn around and to back into the future with our eyes fixed on what has happened in the past. that we prepare for the future by looking toward the past. Because the past, we can see what's true. Something that's real as opposed to the imagination of what we throw into the future. Okay, but here's the thing. Um, There's a lot that's happened in our pasts, right? In our own stories, in our life as a congregation, there are all kinds of things that when we look at the past can bring up all all kinds of different emotions in all of us. And so it's really important that as we, as we turn uh, and back into the future, we have to also talk about what are we looking at when we look at the past? What are we looking for when we look into the past? Who is the main character while we look into the past? That matters. It makes me think of the uh, NBC News anchor Brian Williams. Do you guys remember him at all? Okay, so back in 2003, Brian Williams was in this helicopter during the invasion of Iraq. And uh, they were kind of, there's a film crew with him, and he was covering kind of the war and how it was unfolding. And the helicopter that he was in was forced down because it was being fired at from the ground. An RPG, a rocket-propelled grenade, came up and almost hit the helicopter, so they were forced to land with these other helicopters in the middle of this very intense battle. And so 12 years later, 10 years later, I think it's 2013, He, so that's 10 years, uh, he was at a hockey game, okay, and he was telling this story. He was thanking the helicopter pilots, and he was kind of lauding the heroism of the people who saved his life and the life of his crew who were in this helicopter, okay? But the people who he thanked were very angry, and they were angry because none of what Brian Williams was saying was true. That all of this kind of came out afterwards, and they said, Your helicopter was never fired at. In fact, what had happened is that there were four helicopters, okay, and some of them in, in the f- kind of the front of the convoy had been fired at, but they were miles and miles ahead of where Brian's helicopter was. They were forced down, and then that helicopter eventually came and landed with them, but it was never fired at. Cool, Brian. Yikes. It's easy to, like, to, to give Brian a bad time, and I will tell you, a lot of people gave Brian a bad time. But Malcolm Gladwell talks about this in his episode of Revisionist History that he did, that really what Brian was doing there is something that we all do all the time, which is we look back on our past and we tell stories in a way that makes us the main character of our stories. That as time goes on, we tend to become the heroes or the victims. We become the focal point of everything that has happened. Do you ever see that happen in your own family? Where there's like something that happens and then 10 years later you guys are talking about the event that happens and everyone has a different perspective on what happened? Yeah, that's what we're talking about here. And so it's important that we remember who the main character is because we all have the tendency to make the main character us. But what God is telling the Israelites on the verge of going into this promised land is he's saying, guys, you gotta remember God is the main character of your story. Remember the whole way that the Lord, your God, has led you in the wilderness. And over and over again, in this even short passage, God tells the people what God has done for them. He let you hunger, and then he fed you with food that you did not know, that he might make you see that man does not live by bread alone. God fed you, and God taught you, and God led you. Your clothing did not wear out on you. Your foot did not swell for 40 years. God provided for you. Know that in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, God disciplined you. And what Moses is even saying here is that God disciplined his people by providing for his people, which is not the way we tend to think about discipline, is it? He disciplined them by being good to them. So again, Moses is calling the people, remember, 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 and remember what God has done for you, how God has led, how God has provided, how God has taught and disciplined. This is a story about what God has done. And that's true for you as an individual person who is walking with Jesus. And that's true for us as a community of people who are being led by the Holy Spirit. That God has been writing a story in our life as a congregation. And it's a story about God leading, a story of God providing. So I'm gonna invite some people up here to help me tell that story because I have not been here for all of it. And because it's important to remember that, uh, that we are the church, right? That we are not... Man, church is so much more than a building, and we can testify to that because we have met in so many different buildings, guys. You're gonna hear from different people who have been in those different buildings as a reminder of what God has been doing in and through us this whole time. So I'm gonna invite Michael and Alicia Harrison to come up, uh, and they are gonna speak uh, a little bit to uh, the time of um, the core group, like before Midtown East was a thing, and then the time at the South Inglewood Community Center. I've got some questions to ask you guys, too, so you don't have to remember all of it, but. Um,
4: We do. (laughs) Isn't that the right answer?
0: (laughs) It's always the right answer when you're out here. It's true. Jesus and we do, right? Uh, Yeah, guys, will you you tell us uh, why you left Midtown Downtown to come and plant Midtown East in the first place?
4: Yes. Which is great. I love the way that you frame that. Why did we versus the question you texted me, which is why did we want to? (laughs) Um, Because why did we want to is I did not. Um, And it really is, I loved, I hope, I think, there's gonna be a theme of obedience. um, Because it really was, this was, uh, we were longtime Midtowners downtown uh, when there was only downtown. Um, and some things had happened. We had watched um, Creeve Hall get planted. We had watched uh, 12 South get planted. And there was this beautiful thing that like the front ranks of Rocket Town would just get cleared out. And it was beautiful and sad and terrifying. And we had, I see people that moved into those front ranks like, So who's gonna sit up front now to leave room for all the newbies in the back? And it was like, I guess that's us. Um, I guess it's our turn. Um, And so we had received the benefits of that and uh, of others' obedience and care and love and believing in the mission of Midtown, having sat under that for so long of this, like believing that, the most dangerous thing is a pastor left alone, right? So we believed in this vision of multiple congregations and pastors in community and a local church. And and it was really easy to believe that for everyone else um, when they were going to start churches. Um, But in 20, I guess it was 14, uh, we hired Scott Stewart and he just started meeting people and it was like all right where is the lord leading you to start this congregation and my secret prayer was anywhere but east um because go to west and i will continue going to uh downtown where we only have to serve in kid town like once a semester um and it was awesome um but there was this sense of nope it's east um and, and we're going, and so it was this natural extension of obedience of, okay, Lord, this is what you're calling me to do even though it doesn't feel easy or comfortable. Uh, it's what, what you're calling us to do because I believe you have something. I believe that you've promised us that we are better uh, when we go and obey and do community, uh, you know, do church with people that live with us Um, And so we did, we started this core group, which sweetly enough met. We met um, in the building, Um, yep, it's right there. and we just met like once a week and we'd go and we'd learn like i don't remember much of what we learned but it was just over and over again of this is going to be really hard um and it was like right i got it but it's kind of that like marriage thing where like they tell you yeah marriage is so hard and then you get married and you're like why did no one tell me it was like this you know um (laughs) because because when you um think about things being hard and good, hard and good uh, there's often like a clarity. And it's sort of like, I have this vision in my head of like storming the beach at Normandy, where you like know that you're doing the right thing. And so it's like, I can get through it, cause this is right, this is what we've been called to do. Um, but really what it was, was us like fumbling for the next right step. Um, and it was so uncertain of is, the, is this right, are we doing this, are these the right people, is this like, where are we gonna meet, when should we start, when should, we, like just so much uncertainty um, about the details of what God was calling us to, and yet this consistent theme of like taking one more step, um, doing that next right thing, like okay, we have a building for now, it's Stratford. Okay, um, it wasn't Stratford yet, it was Southingwood. Community Center, which by the way, if y'all don't know this, um, we had to like reserve it every week. Like this was not like we made like a hey deal with, like Scott would have to go and like fill out a piece of paper requesting the use of South Inglewood Community Center like every week. Um, That is crazy and miserable and Kendall lost 42 years off his life. He's only 26. putting up pipe and drape um, in this like gym um, to go and, and be there and yet obedience and we did it and they put up the pipe and drape and, um, and people came and people left and some of those people are still here and um, but it was, it was a sweet time. And so I gave the history lesson and the why and now Alicia will do the. Uh, <laughs> do you want to ask another question? Oh yeah, yeah sure. so that's what happened. That's why we went.
0: Hey, how many of you uh, were a part of the core group? Would you guys stand up? And how many of you joined Midtown while Midtown was at the South Englewood Community Center? Would you guys stand up? Yeah. Can you guys testify to those times being like what they were describing? (laughs) Yes. Uh, Alicia, will you tell us a little bit about how you saw God be faithful to this community and in your own life in that time?
5: Yes. Um, I think in two different ways. Um, One, when Michael was talking about like, it being hard. I remember Randy at downtown, he would always talk about, like, um, you know, being part of a community, being the church, it's always messy, Um, and I just remember, well, kind of what Michael said, you don't get it, and then when it was messy, and when it was hard, I was like, this is not cute messy. This is, like, Not bubbles messy like you know just um just staying in and solving problems um and grieving and fully showing up and being part of something um became um became really important and I think one of the things um another part of that was also that when Michael was talking about s- moving to the front row, I remember that the Andersons um, sat to the left front row downtown, and we sat to the right uh, front row downtown. And we literally every week, four years, gave each other a cordial wave and moved on with our lives. And um. And that was it. And when we started East, all of a sudden, these cordial waves of acquaintances um, all of a sudden became close, familiar friends. Um, And I think that has been such the beautiful piece I have seen over and over again in starting East, is yes, it is messy. Yes, it was hard, but this community is what it was worth every time and how the Lord showed His love for me and my family was through you, um, was through intimacy, through chats at the grocery store and through deep conversations on walks and in community group. Um, and that that grew me, and I know Jesus more because I see Jesus in you and how you have spoken of your story um, reminds me of how God is faithful to me. <laughs>
0: If you guys were here in, in those times, can you say amen to that? Yes. Right? That's true. Uh, and guys, thanks for, thanks for sharing that piece of our story with us. I'm going to invite John and Jamie Freund to come up next, and they're going to talk about uh, our time in Stratford and then during COVID as well. Uh, Guys, will you just tell us what it was like to be doing church at Stratford High School? Just remind us.
6: Okay. (laughs) I have some notes because uh, (laughs) as as Brant led with in Deuteronomy, uh, memory issues are also an issue in our family. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so...
7: It also was a a lot of time.
6: It was a lot of time.
7: COVID encompasses a lot, so we'll try to be...
6: Yeah, Strat- we were at Stratford for three and a half years, um, and then, and then COVID for, I guess a whole year after that before we were here. Um, so I, uh, I started going, as did Jamie. We did not know each other, um, like August 2015. So the church had been planted. Uh, we were still at Southingwood Community Center. Um, the, the core group w- had done a ton of work over the past year and I just came in kind of to be like, Oh, this is great. All the, everything's all the, the work's been done. And then hopped right in. Um, and really started, uh, the things I remember most from the time at Stratford are probably, uh, a, w- a couple years later, uh, really in the like 2017, 2018 range. Um, the things that, that stand out looking back were, uh, the consistency of the group of people, that we it was not, uh, our numbers would kind of fluctuate, it would be like 60 people, it would be 100 people, it would kind of be back and forth, but it really felt like the same 60, 70 people were there every week, um, and were also the people um, involved in coming out to things, Um, and just really grew to rely on that consistency uh, in my life. especially as, like, as a, a single 20-somethings, the, one of the most amazing thing was the way that, that families would invite me in, um, and uh, man. Whew, the Lord is so good. Um, I think a time that might have been marked by a lot of loneliness was just, like, people with kids brought me in, and I got to know their kids, um, and couples invited me out to lunch, um, and we also had this really great group of single dudes, which is really <laughs> rare for church. But there was like a whole group of 20 or 30 single dudes that sat on the right side, uh, and there weren't really any single girls, which was weird. And then they started hearing from 12 South; they started coming over. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, just, Jamie was there. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was it was it was great for. Um, for those reasons where, where God was just providing this this consistency um, I forget my next point I'm look uh, I think also there was we had um, we had a year as, as as was mentioned over a year without a pastor and we had um, uh, two part-time staff um, Jeff on worship and April with kids and uh, I think that led to just there, there was a lot of people taking initiative. Um, people were always kind of moving in and out of roles of uh, men's and women's events, of, uh, of community service events, um, uh, Bible studies of set up, just making sure Sunday services still happened every week. Um, and uh, there wasn't a lot of programming or stuff, that people just kind of did things and, and, and stepped up. And I think the, uh, what, uh, a consistent theme, and I'm sure what Jamie will probably t- touch on, is things that were may have seemed like obstacles or difficulties like having to set up every week were the biggest blessings for our church because people got to know each other uh, every week setting up. And you saw people for a couple hours setting up worship or setting up Kid Town. Um, and that's when like I look back, I'm like that's why I know these people well. And eventually we're like, oh, let's get to know them outside of church and, and really uh, build some community. So that that theme of uh, and what what uh, Michael mentioned uh, the theme of waves of people um, for myself and, and Jamie as well, separately coming in as a wave of people who are uh, really getting plugged in and becoming more involved on the heels of what the work of the core group had done. Um, and, and then now uh, through fast forwarding through COVID seeing um, Kind of stepping back and moving in a different part of our life, and then seeing new waves of people that God was bringing in, who are now going to be the ones who are involved um, in in ministries and inviting other people. Um, that's just been like really humbling to see the Lord do that with just different waves of people in this same community.
0: So, thanks, John. Yeah. Do I just want to speak a little bit about COVID and, and what that was like for us as a church? Or you want to speak about God's faith? What do you want to talk about next, James? Uh-huh.
7: <laughs> kind of talk about God's, um, maybe how he was using in the community, Great. or working in the community. And I think that touches on COVID. Yes. Um, I'll probably kind of say state some of the same things that John said. So apologies if this is um, redundant. But um, I th- when I think at our time, Stratford and COVID, the word, the two words that kept coming to mind for me were um, critical and intentional. Um, first, because it felt like all of the seasons and all of the transitions that we went through as a congregation at Stratford, and there were many, um, seemed critical to the work that the Lord was doing on us as a body, preparing us for what was to come. Um, and intentional just because, um, I think some in the moment, uh, but especially looking back, it is no question, just the Lord's intentionality in every piece of that. like. Even like the physical space of where we met, it was a dark school auditorium. So people were coming in wanting community, but if you come into a dark school auditorium, if you want community, you have to get out of your comfort zone. You have to leave your row and go meet somebody. Um, And we were meeting in a school and that kind of created this awareness of this whole community that we could serve. So what I saw the Lord doing in that was the Lord was like just drawing out those desires for what he had for us. a desire for service or like um, drawing out gifts that people had, um, ways that we could function as a body. And I think in a weird way, like weird only God way, um, that provided, for me at least, um, a sense of rest in the like yearning for something better. Um, It was like, man, this isn't like the easiest church to come to, but I know that those people are gonna show up because they haven't stopped showing up yet. Mm-hmm. And that is like a crazy blessing that I think now I can sometimes take for granted because it's so easy to come in and like we don't really have to set that much up. Um, but yeah, just the Lord, like the Lord's intentionality and just like the way that he was like, yeah, I have a plan for that hardship, I have a plan for that hardship, I have a plan for that hardship. I'm like, you're gonna get to see the fruit of all of that um, was such a blessing, and I think that is largely, um, how we survived COVID, <laughs> was just knowing, um, that we were gonna have a family to come back to, um, and I think that that's what it, um, it taught me a lot about how to live out the trust that I speak, um, like, I can say I trust the Lord, but what I really saw him doing, and that was showing me, like, you don't just have to say you can trust me, like, Here's, here's all the reasons you can trust me so much deeper than you ever imagined.
0: Guys, how many of you started attending Midtown when we were at Stratford? Would you stand up? Yeah. Can you guys, can you, can you say amen to the things they were just saying? Yeah. What about, you guys go ahead and sit down. Were there any of you who started coming here during COVID? Like the way you got connected to Midtown East was through a group or through, I'm thinking of one or two couples, but they may not be here this morning, so it's a little bit harder. Uh, yeah, there we go, Judy and Tyler, that's true, that's when you guys came, yes. Uh, yeah, guys, this community is saying yes, like what, what you were sharing about those times, uh, that's it, that's, that's our story. Thanks. And kind of like I mentioned earlier, you know, as we left we left Stratford, guys, uh, if you remember back in March of whatever year that was, there was a tornado that hit East Nashville, uh, and it hit some of your homes. And we got to watch this community of people not only care for the people a part, that were a part of this community whose homes were hit, but care for our community. Uh, and... The next Sunday, we met in the gym at the Stratford Auditorium because the lights weren't working in the regular auditorium. Uh, and that was the last time we met at Stratford because then the world shut down. And what what we watched in that time was this church uh, be the church when there wasn't a building for us to meet in. Whether that was in, on Zoom through small groups, through small groups in some houses, through the ways that you guys cared for each other in that time, we got to see the church be the church. And like I said, when we started, when we had the option of getting back together, it was very unclear how we could make that happen in East Nashville because outside groups still weren't allowed back in schools. And so we were praying for God to provide a place for us. We thought we had a place, then we didn't have a place, and then God opened up this place. And so I'm gonna invite Josh and Jess Randolph to come up Uh, and talk a little bit about what it has been like to be a part of Midtown East uh, while we have been here. So guys, I know one of the questions I asked y'all was, uh, what was it like, what do you remember from coming in here for like the first time, first few times? Do you want to go first? No.
8: Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I remember before we came to Midtown, we had been, we'd been in another church for like five years and then we'd been at a different church for like three years and like every Sunday it was like we would come and then we leave and we felt like we were always new like there wasn't this sense of like remembering people's names or um like really doing life with the people that we were going to church with it was like we came on Sunday and then we left and so like for a long time that was like our prayer was we just want to be in a church and maybe they don't exist in Nashville, but we wanna like be somewhere where we feel like we can walk in and know people and like do life with people and know the pastor and like actually have like very meaningful conversations and I'm not gonna cry. Um, but I remember when COVID hit, we saw our neighbors, Mo and Chris Varghese, if you guys know them, but during COVID, we'd be like on a walk, and we'd like hear people in their backyard, and so we'd like look over the fence, and they were having small group, like six feet apart, outside, in the cold, and we're like, they're like doing life with people still, while we're like hibernating from the world, and I remember we were both like super jealous, and we're like, what kind of church like still meets even when, like, all odds are against them, and we just thought that was super cool, and so we were very jealous, and we were like, okay, we gotta check out Midtown, Um, but we weren't Presbyterian, and I didn't even know what, like, a PCA church was, but we just came, and then we ran into you and Caroline, um, like, literally, like, a a couple days later, like, just in East Nashville at Five Points, and we're like, wow, maybe God is, like, calling us to go to Midtown. Am I answering your question? (laughs) Yeah, so... Okay, so, oh, how, what was it like when we got here? So, I'm a little jealous because, like, we, I feel like we're, like, like we should have Midtown tattoos because we like, love it here so much. But, like, we weren't OG Midtowners. Like, we came after the, f- the fruits of all your labor. We just got to, like, pick the fruit off the tree and enjoy it. Um, so, like, I feel like I need to, like, earn my keep a little bit. But um, I will say that, like, walking into this building and, Getting to know some of you and even like crying with some of you on this red carpet and like getting to know your kids in Kid Town and like getting to know their beautiful personalities and like it's been the sweetest part of this last year of our lives as a family, and, like, we were just gone in Costa Rica this last month, and after, like, two weeks, I was, like, there's a void happening, like, I feel lonely, and, like, I feel, like, sad, and I don't feel, like, strong in my faith, and I was, like, what's happening, and I was, like, oh my gosh, like, we're not in our community, and it was, like, leaving the community made me realize, like, how special and sweet this is, and, what a game changer it's been like even us parenting with our kids and like being able to talk through some of the struggles with you guys and like not being alone in this season of life and like this season of life is ministry too like raising kids and i know a lot of you in here don't have kids um but like just for being with other people that are walking in the same Journey as you. And um, it's really like just challenged me as like a mom in my faith, just seeing other amazing moms in this room, like walking with Jesus while they raise their kids. It's like really helped me in my walk and it's changed our marriage. And yeah, no tears. So that's good. Here you go.
9: Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just here because I love to see Brant cry every week. I mean, that's.
0: <laughs> yeah, the tears are welcome. It's very true.
9: It gets me every time. Um, I, I mean, I agree with everything Jess said, and, you know, I don't have a lot more to say other than I, I was just kind of thinking through what I was going to say today, and um, a lot of this is about like thinking back to the past and, you know, where we came from, and, and um, you know, I became a Christian in early days of high school, and I remember those days, as I'm sure a lot of you do, like going through small group and youth group, and like it seemed like everybody was on fire for God, and people were getting saved left and right, and it was like the Holy Spirit was really moving, and then um, it was wonderful, right? And and then life happens and and we have jobs and we get busy and um, have families and our hearts get hardened to change and to um, hearing the word of God and being excited about the gospel still. Um, and then so, you know, we've been church bouncing back and forth for a while and then we came here and then um, gotten involved in the community in the small group and. And what I saw was just like a group of people who were just like so rooted in their faith and excited about the gospel again um, and wanting to talk about it and wanting to expand. And so I'm just super excited to be a part of this and to be a part of the growth. And now that we're going like next week to a new place that has twice as many seats, um, I see this as an opportunity for us to fill those seats with people who um, don't know Christ right now currently instead of just like taking, Brent and I talked about this a little bit, like instead of just like taking people from other churches because we have a new, cool, bright building. Um, So that's what I'm pumped about for this church and like that it's the community that we have that wants to do that, that wants to go find those people. Um, So I know we're looking about the past, but I'm just kind of focused on the future. (laughs) I
0: love it. Hey, how many of you started attending Midtown East uh, while we've been here at Memorial Lutheran? Can you guys stand up? Oh, And before you sit down, I want to, well, you can sit down. You're already sitting down. That's fine. And can you guys say amen to what they were just talking about? Amen, amen right? You guys can grab your seats. Thank you. Uh, guys, th- that's, this is our story. And, uh, <laughs> and God has been so faithful to us. And what I want to remind you is that uh, our God is faithful to us even when we forget that we're taking time here to remember what God has done, but let me tell you what God says to us in Isaiah 49. He says, can a woman forget her nursing child, that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? I'm not a mom, but I think that's a hard thing for a nursing mom to do, to forget her child. And then he says, even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. That even when we don't remember, even when we feel far away, even when we cannot see what God has done, God has not forgotten us, and God has not forgotten you. That's true. And then he says, behold, behold, I've engraved you on the palms of my hands, and your walls are continually before me. I've engraved you on the palms of my hands, And guys, who is the fulfillment of that for us? You can say it. Jesus, right? That the marks on his hands, that we have been engraved on the palms of his hands, and that our Jesus still bears those marks on his hands, and he will never forget you. He can't do it. He cannot do it because of his great love for you. That's why God says in Romans, man, the God who did not spare his own son but gave him up for, her, for us all, how will he not along with him graciously give us all things? Your God who will never forget you, he is always doing good for you. And what he, I will tell you what he has forgotten, is he has forgotten every single one of your sins. That when you were in Christ, those things have been cast as far as the east is from the west. And when he looks at you, all he has for you is compassion. That's true even when you don't remember it or can't see it or have a hard time feeling it. That you are engraved on the palms of his hands and he cannot forget you. And guys, that is the Jesus that through his Holy Spirit is leading us where we are about to go. That's the Jesus who tells us, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. It's the Jesus who tells us that he is always leading us in triumphal procession. And as you heard from our friends this morning, the triumphal procession that we are in doesn't always look like what the world thinks a triumphal procession looks like. Am I right? But he is always leading us into a triumphal procession, into our into the promised land, into our heavenly home. Because we have been, as was testified to this morning, we have been a wandering congregation, right? Like the Israelites in the wilderness, man. And I don't Riverside Revival may not be the final stop. I will tell you this, it is not the promised land. I wish that it was. I wish I could tell you that it will be flowing with milk and honey, that there will be iron in the stones, that, that you'll never thirst or hunger again. It will happen. Because we'll get to set up the chairs every week, right? But there's a gift even in that, which is what we heard. And what it reminds us, friends, is that we are a pilgrim people. Do you know that? This world is not our home. And the gift for us as a church of having to wander in East Nashville, even though the triangle of it is very small, and we're finally landing kind of right in the middle of it. You can go to the Google Map thing. Uh, Is that it reminds us that this building is not our home. That the houses that you live in, that those houses are not your home. That if you are in Christ, your home is the home that Jesus is preparing for you in heaven. He told you, I have gone to prepare a place for you. And if I have gone to prepare it for you, I'll bring you to be with me. That's true. And that is the promise that we are living into as we take this next step in faith where God's calling us. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Okay, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up here. Uh, and we're just, we're gonna spend some time uh, worshiping and responding to that truth of the God who has remembered us and who has been leading us. We're gonna sing about what He has done for us, and then we're gonna remind ourselves of his goodness. So let me pray, and we'll worship together. Father, thank you. Uh, Lord, thank you for this morning of remembering, of being reminded of your goodness toward us. And Lord, as we sing it, would you help us to live into it? Uh, And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.